Go ahead and have a seat this morning. Okay, well, we're in a series called The Storied Past, and uh, we're looking at some of the stories that, uh, that Jesus told. And so today we look at one of those stories, obviously. And uh, I think this is just one of those really practical stories that uh, challenges us in terms of, of our attitude around our everyday living. And it's uh, traditionally known as the story of the talents, but, you know, as uh, Phil shared with you, that's, that's really not the focus of the story, right? We'll hopefully see what that is uh, as we go here. Uh, if we start getting a perspective on, on the story, uh, we need to look at context, where it comes from, what's going on. And... Uh, the story itself happens in chapter 25 of Matthew's Gospel. So it's happening towards the end of Matthew's Gospel. It means the end of Jesus' life. It's happening when he's in Jerusalem. And in chapter 24, he's in Jerusalem and he walks out of the temple and he says to his disciples and those that are listening that not, not one of these stones of the temple will stand upon one another in the future. So he's predicting uh, the destruction of of the temple, and he begins to talk about uh, the end of time. In chapter 24, then, in verse 3, his disciples come to him, and they sit down, and they say, Now tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign of the end? So the context of the story that Jesus tells is, is talking about, so what's going to happen in the end? And if we understand what's going to happen in the end, what difference does that make to our everyday? Okay, so that's kind of the overall beginning of chapter 24 in the context. He interprets that later on in chapter 24. Notice we're up to verse 42 here. And he gives us kind of the theme uh, of chapter 24. Okay, in chapter 24, Matthew gets to the end. He says, so keep watch. You don't know on what day your Lord will come. You must understand something. Suppose the owner of the house knew what time of night the robber was coming. Then he would have kept watch. He would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. What's the theme? So you must be ready, right? I mean, it's the thrust. So you must be ready. So he's, he's predicting the end times, but in terms of tying that into how we live, what we're about today, the theme is, listen, be ready. If, if you understand that truth, that the time is going to come when Jesus comes back, then, then you've got to understand that every single day, and you live every single day in a ready kind of lifestyle. He emphasizes that in Matthew 25, the next chapter. Notice we're up to the 13th verse. So at the 13th verse of that next chapter, he emphasizes it and says, So my disciples, always be ready. You do not know the day or the time when all this will happen. So the focus again is be, you can say it, be ready. Absolutely. It's a good thing to know, right? Be ready. That's the deal. Be ready, be ready, be ready. So you and I, in terms of our everyday living, according to Jesus in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, is just this understanding that, look, every day counts. Every day counts. And because every day counts, it counts for the kingdom. So we should be living be-ready lives. We should be living be-ready lives. That, that every day is the opportunity for us 
to make a difference for the kingdom of heaven. Remember, if you were here last week, we talked about, listen, life isn't about everything that you have and all the stuff that's in your garage, right? Life is about what difference you're making for the kingdom of heaven. And so now again, he says, listen, be ready because you've got today. And so, and so you've got to have a be ready kind of life that uses every opportunity to make that difference for the kingdom of heaven. Why is this important? Well, if you keep going in Matthew 25, you get to two stories. One of the stories is ours that we're going to talk about today. Right before our story, he says, here's what the kingdom of heaven will be like at that time. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went out to meet a groom. So he tells a story about some bridesmaids and a groom and lamps and all that to, to emphasize this be ready kind of living and what it means every day. Then, in Matthew 25, 14, is our story. And notice it starts with the word, again. So he tells another story to emphasize what he just taught with the previous story. That's our story. Again. So, do you think it's important for us to understand the story? I mean, it takes him two shots at it to make sure that we, that we get it, right? And so, again, so what we're going to talk about today is vitally important to what it means to live a be-ready kind of life. Why do we have to live a be-ready life? Because by the time you get done with our story that we're going to look at today, you get done with our story, the very next thing he talks about, verse 31 of Matthew 25, is saying, listen... And here's what's going to happen. I am coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to sit on the throne. And there's going to be some separation. And there's going to be some folks who lived a be-ready life and, and employed everything they had for the sake of the kingdom. And there's going to be some folks who didn't. And there'll be separation. That's pretty sobering stuff, isn't it? Right? That's the context of our story. Okay, you ready for the story? This is where you say, yes, I can't wait really anxious. Boy, I'm on the end of my chair if it wasn't so comfortable, right? Yeah, it's a comfortable chair. Okay, so here we go. We get into our story. It comes out of Matthew uh, 25, starts at verse uh, 14, right? And he starts out by saying, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Okay? Let's unpack that. I think the first observation that uh, we can make out of the story is if you're going to live a be-ready life, you have to understand the nature of who God is and what God wants to do in your every day. If you're going to live a be-ready life, you need to understand who God is and what God is prepared to do in every single day of your life. And the story would tell us that our God is prepared to do whatever it takes for you to accomplish your purpose. And he's willing to give you the provision to make that happen. I summarize it at the top by saying uh, God wants to share uh, his wealth. Looks like I forgot an S, isn't it? He's a God want. A God want. God wants to share uh, his wealth. That's what he wants. That, that the nature of God is to be a sharing God. He wants to pour provision into our life. And you see it right away in the story. Because this, this master calls together his servants, and what does he give them? He gives them his money. Whose money? His 
money. He didn't give them their money. He gave them his money. What's it tell us? Well, right away, it's that perspective we got last week as well, saying, listen, we don't own it. It's not ours. It's all his. And he lends it into our lives. It's his. And notice in the story, he's lending not only his money, but who's he giving the money to? His servants. Right? His servants. He owns them. Everything that they are, everything that they have, all that they're about is totally, absolutely under the ownership of the master. That's who we are. Right? If you're an all-in disciple, if you're a follower of Christ, that's who we are. We say, hey, listen, our life is no longer our own. We surrender. It is all about him. And, and everything that we are and everything that we have absolutely belongs to him. And we can say that. Why? Because we understand the nature of God. And that God, in his nature, is not only a wealthy God, but he's a giving God. In the story, it says, he gave. He gave. Now listen, you know this is true. You know this is true. It's fundamental to what we know about God, right? And the, and the biggest place we can see that is all we have to do is step back, reflect for a minute, and understand how, how wealthy God is, how generous God is, to the point that he would give to us his own son. Is, is he, does he hold anything back? No. He's, he's ready to give whatever it takes so that we can have incredible, impactful lives to the point that he is willing to give up his own son to the cross so that we can be forgiven and live life. He is a giving God. He is a giving God. So it starts with us understanding in the story the very nature of who God is. He is not only the owner of all things, but he is a giving God who wants to give us everything that we need to accomplish that ready life that he wants us to live, to make the difference in the kingdom. Now, let's look at Psalm 24 for a minute and just remind ourselves of that. The psalmist knew that. The psalmist says, the earth belongs to the Lord and so does everything in it. The world belongs to him and so do all those who live in it. What belongs to him? Absolutely everything. But what's he going to use it for? For our benefit. He's all about us. It's for our benefit. And so he is, he is a wealthy God who wants to pour into our lives everything we need to live that ready life. You can see that more clearly in a minute. Okay. Now, how does that work? Now, here's a, a, just a huge understanding in the story. Okay, So what happens? Did you notice in the story, it says he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. So what's up with that? I mean, I mean, really now, does that sound fair? Does that sound fair? I mean, if you lined up all your kids and you gave five to one and two to one and one to another, and what would they say? Oh, come on, that's just not fair. Right? Wouldn't they say that? They'd say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I, he got five, I got one, what's up? It's, it's just not fair. Why does he do that? Well, here's the deal. We know that God loves us impartially, right? We know. Jesus died for absolutely every one of us, regardless of who we are and what we've done. His love for us is absolutely impartial. But here's the deal. His provision, his provision, the text says, is giving, given according to our readiness. 
That's what it says. Look at it. I highlight it. You want to see the highlighted words with me so you remember them? You ready? Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Why do you give one five, one two, and one one? Because he knew what their lives could become. He knew how ready they were. He knew among them which of them were ready to really make a difference for the kingdom. What's the deal? Well, God's love for us is absolutely impartial, but his provision will meet our vision for readiness. Did you follow that? His love for us is absolutely impartial, but his provision, what he'll pour into our life, is in relationship to our readiness life and our readiness vision. Here's the deal. Are you ready? Are you living a ready life? Do you have a vision in your life that says, I am absolutely ready to let this day be the most powerful day uh, for the kingdom of heaven that I can possibly make it? And here's what I see happening. Do you have a picture of that? Because what God is willing to do and what he will do is going to be in direct relationship to your readiness and to the vision you've got around that readiness. He could look at each one of these servants and know beforehand, this five guy, man, this guy's going to do something for the kingdom. This two guy, he's got potential. He's in a good place. He could really do something. Even the one guy who in the story fails, but the one guy, God sees him optimistically and sees he's got potential. He could really do it if he just, if he just got ready. You see, this is the amazing nature of God. He is a loving God that loves impartially, but his provision is always in relationship to our readiness and our readiness vision. Paul understood it. Paul says in Corinthians, after all, what is Apollos and what is Paul? We're only people who serve. We help you believe. The Lord has given each of us our own work to do. I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Did they each have their own work to do? Absolutely. And who is the one that provided to allow him to accomplish the work? Well, God did. Same way? No. Each according to whatever their readiness vision was. Right? Whatever their readiness vision was. That's the way God works. He is ready to pour into your life according to what you are ready to do. Okay? If you look at the story, it says, The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant that had two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. What did the two guys do? Man, they were ready. Were they ready? They were ready. They got busy. They got to it. It's, whoa, five bags, two bags. Whoa, this is awesome. I'm going to make a difference with this, though. Let's go. They got ready, and they were ready, and they did it. They got busy. And notice there is the word in there, work doesn't mean it's a cakewalk. They got in there, they were ready, and they saw the vision of what this could mean in their life. And they got in there, and they accomplished it. Third servant? But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Did this guy have any readiness vision? Right? Right? Was he ready? Absolutely not. 
God poured the possibility into his life, and yet his response was, I'm not ready for this. And, and so he just took it and he buried it in the ground. He had no vision. He had absolutely no vision. And he was unwilling to take any risk. The other two guys, oh man, they were ready for it and they had a vision for it and they took whatever the risk was necessary to make it happen. How could they do that? Because they believed in God's possibilities. They believed in God's provision. They believed the master had supplied them with a purpose and he wouldn't give it to them if it wasn't possible. It wasn't about them. They believed in what the master was doing. You see, that's the readiness and the readiness vision. It's understanding that God's provision is relationship to that readiness and that readiness vision, understanding, man, this could really do something. This could really, my life could really do something. My life could really make a difference for the kingdom of heaven. And they were ready and they took the risk and they did it. Outcome? There's a reality in the story that each of us has to face. It's not a reality we like to think about a lot. It's not a reality we like to look at a lot. But it is a reality of the story and of our lives. It is, ultimately, there will be a time when we give an account. There's a time when we give an account. In the story it goes, after a long time their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they had used their money. Paul echoes that, not just in a story, but just talking generally about our lives and saying, so we'll all have to explain to God the things we have done. Now, I want to uh, just point to this verse again and notice when they give the account, when the servants have to give the account, what are they giving the account based on? What's the measuring stick? Do you see it in the last part? It says they're going to have to give an account, what, of how they had used his money. What's the question? Well, they're going to have to explain. I mean, the question the master is asking is, so, okay, I thought you were ready, and, and I thought you had a readiness vision, and, and I provided you with the provision to, to accomplish that. So how did you use everything I gave you? Isn't that the question? So, so how, how did you use everything I gave you? I mean, that is the account question. And, and you and I can't avoid that if we're followers of Christ and, and we are all in surrender to Christ, then there's going to come a day, it's part of the experience and part of the gospel message, there's going to come a day when the same question comes our way. So tell me, how did you use it? A good question for today. So tell me, how are you using everything that God is pouring into your life? The provision that God's giving you. How are you using it? That is a question of accountability. If you go to what happens next in the story, it's to understand that, that those who are using it in an all-in attitude also experience their life being multiplied. So when two of them come forward and answer that question, so how are you using it? They come forward with joy, with excitement, with anticipation. And the, he says, the servants to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver, he came forward with five more. And he said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. 
The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Now, there's one little kernel in there that you could easily miss. Did you notice the master's response there in verse 21? And in the second line of verse 21, it says, You have been faithful in handling this what amount? Small amount. Now, this is so fascinating. Now, in other translations, in this one it says he gave him a bag of silver, right? Or five bags of silver. Other translations uses the term talent, right? A talent. Gave him five talents, right? It's a measure of money. A talent. It's a measure of money. What we know is, and there's some speculation was, you know, silver, gold, whatever, in, in ultimate value. But the, the general agreement out there is that one talent, okay, one bag of silver, was equal to 20 years of annual income. Did you get that? Do the math. Take your annual income, take that times 20, that's one bag of silver. This guy got how many bags? Five bags of silver. And when the master called him in front of him, he said, well done, you good and faithful servant, in handling this. Did you see that? Did you see this? This small amount? What does that tell you? This is God's attitude of what's possible, of what he can pour into your life. He saw five bags of silver, five times annual earnings for 20 years. He saw that as small. You tell me. If that's God's attitude, what can he pour into your life? If you have a readiness attitude and a readiness vision, and you're ready to get to work for the kingdom of heaven and be an influenced person, In this guy's life, the guy with the five bags, he got two things. It says, you've been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. What is he going to get? More. He's going to get more. Responsibility comes with it, but he's going to get more. And what else is he going to get? Celebrate with me. He's going to get joy. You see, there's this significant thing that happens when God provides the provision and you live a readiness life and you're using that provision to influence for the kingdom of heaven. There's this incredible thing that happens where God keeps pouring more and to provide for a bigger vision for your life. And as he does that, you just get the joy of being that kind of person. Just, just seeing your life matter and count for something for the kingdom of heaven. It's incredible. Same thing happens to the guy with two. The guy with two bags of silver, he comes forward. Same thing. Notice what the response is of the master there. Oh, you've done great. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let us celebrate. What does he get? Same thing. Now, wait a minute. Didn't we just do this thing about five, two, one, and we're supposed to be fair in all this? And The guy with five... He got that. The guy with two, he got the same thing. Doesn't this tell you about the nature of God? See, it's not about the amount. It's not about the amount. The guy with five who made five more bags 
didn't somehow get more and, and more celebration than the guy with two, right? The reward was the same because God continued to see the potential of what could happen in their lives. But of course, now we get to the third guy. The third guy, the principle is when you get into the third guy's attitude of self-interest, it's not going to lead to addition or multiplication. It's going to lead to subtraction. And so the servant comes forward with his one bag. He says, Master, I, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, Oh, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then comes the key. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. Skip that middle one, 29. Jump down. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. What happens when you don't live a readiness life with a readiness vision? You can't expect God's provision. Yes? If you don't live a readiness life with a readiness vision, you can't expect God's provision. There's subtraction. The guy didn't understand who God was. And so he lived a subtraction life. He just took it, buried it in a hole, and then he, the rest of the time until the master came back, he just lived however he wanted to live. And when the master came back, he dug it up and said, here, I was afraid. So he had no clear understanding of who the master really was. You see, if you get today, if you get who God is and, and how he wants to bring provision into your life, man, you, you got to look at your life and say, am I living a readiness life? And do I have a big enough vision of what God can do with my life every single day? Why is this so important? It's in verse 29. And here's the principle of the story. Okay, Here's the heart of it. The principle of the story. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they'll have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. When you live a readiness life with a readiness vision, and you're using everything God pours into your life, for the purpose of being that impact, influence person in the kingdom of heaven, he says he's ready to pour more. And there's no lid. There's no limit. He is ready to pour more according to your vision. But if you live the other way, then provision can't happen. Now, how's this apply? Let me give you a quick, quick application. Here's the deal. Some of you out there are living right now in a struggling place in life financially. Okay? Now, and this is important. Notice that this story, even though it's called the, the parable of the talents, it, it's all about bags of silver, right? It's not talking about skills and ability, talents. That's not in the story. The story is all about the five bags of silver, right? So some of you are in that place where you're struggling right now financially, and the temptation is for you to say something like this. Well, you know, I can't quite make the tithe right now. But what I'll do is I'll just give more of my time. Have you heard that? That's not in the story. More of my time is not part of the story. That's not part of the principle. You see, no, the challenge of the story is the principle that says, listen, you, you got to go beyond that. 
you've got to live a readiness life with a readiness vision, regardless of where you are right now. And if you're at a place where you're struggling and it's little, do the tithe anyway. Because that's a readiness life. That's a readiness vision. And when you do that, he says, listen, now you're showing me, I'll add more. If you have a hope for more, that's where it lies. Some of you right now are in a middle place where you got some abundance going. Things are pretty good. The temptation for you is to use the abundance and say, hey, now I can add this to my life and I can add that to my life. And no, you got to get to the principle and say, wait a minute, I'm going to do what God wants me to do with it first and take care of myself second. God first. Some of you are in an abundance place in your life, right? Where things are going really great. Abundance is happening for you. And, and you got to understand, you also face a temptation. And the temptation would be to limit your vision. To say, well, you know, I'm at a good place in my life and I've got abundance going on and I'm just going to settle in and just be good right here. No. Why would you settle for a small amount? Expand the vision. Because with more comes responsibility. Do you see that in the text? With it comes responsibility. The responsibility is keep going. Expand the vision. See what God can do more and more in your life every single day. If you've got abundance going in your life, it's because God still sees more opportunity. More opportunity. The challenge for us in this story is to get to that place, that simple principle that's captured in verse 29. And just understand, it's about living an all-in life. An all-in life that's absolutely ready and has a readiness vision. And even play that, that, what's that poker game with the all-in thing? Nobody plays poker in the whole house, huh? Huh? Texas Texas Hold'em. See, I knew there were some people who played poker in the house. Sure, Texas Hold'em. What's the principle of Texas Hold'em when you say, 